Welcome to today's Heartlift with Janelle. We are in our final movement in our Heartlifter's journey through Stronger Every Day Nine Tools for an Emotionally Healthy You. We're here with Tool Nine today Save Mental Energy for the Essentials. Our tool here is Human Connection. And our intention for Tool Nine. I save mental energy for the essentials. Every one of us will have a different definition for what the essentials in our life are. That will be defined by the season of life that we're in. I'm in the empty nest phase of life. It's just my husband and me living here in our home all three of our birds have flown the nest. They've finished their journeys through college and travels, and now they're all settled in their different places and spaces all over the world, and they're married and moving on with their life. So I'm in a completely different season of what is essential for me to save mental energy for. So as we begin this journey through Tool 9, just take a few moments to ask yourself, what is essential right now in this season of life? So in true Heartlifter fashion, you know we're going to take apart the word essential. And we're going to look at the words under the words and decide in our life what is essential. Now this is additional material. It is not included in Tool 9 of Stronger Every Day, the book. Uh, and as any author will tell you, the minute you finish and stamp final edit and it goes to print, you go, oh, I should have added this, I should have added that, or maybe I shouldn't have put that story in there, I should have taken that story out. There's a million questions, there's a million doubts, it just happens. And so now in hindsight, of course, I'm always learning. So I now will add this into the beautiful study guide that I'm working hard on, the workbook actually, that goes along with this beautiful book. I will add this understanding of what it means for something in your life to be essential. So essential is an adjective and it means absolutely necessary. I love how they add the adverb into the definition of this adjective, absolutely necessary. It's extremely important. So the, the positioning of those two adverbs, absolutely and extremely, give us boundaries that we need to pay attention to. Because we have so much going on in our lives myself included, even in this empty nest phase. I'm 62 and proud of it. I'm not retiring. I'm actually refiring. But there's a whole lot that goes on in my life that when I'm quiet and I find myself in introspection, which is a beautiful, beautiful spiritual discipline, I am sobered and realize there's a whole lot going on in my life that is not absolutely necessary to the quality of my life, nor does it contribute to the quality of my relationships. 
And I find that there are few things that are extremely important. Very defining boundaries. And I love this definition. Take it, the word under the word here and let's look at necessary, which is also an adjective. Necessary means it is required to be done, achieved, or present. And to help us with understanding what is necessary, I turn to my favorite Webster's 1828, my big, thick, green dictionary that's falling apart at the seams. Lean in here. This really is a lean in moment. In Webster's 1828, which is the the very first of his Um, original definitions, he writes that necessary is that must be. Three words, that must be. So I'll add that which must be. He then adds indispensably requisite. That which cannot be omitted, remitted, or spared. So what is absolutely essential then are these basic needs of life, right? Maslow's hierarchy of needs, we can turn to that. We need food, warmth, water, air, sunshine, right? And we need relationships, human connection. In his book, The Power of the Other, Henry Cloud gives voice to the quality of this kind of human shared connection. He writes, wellness depends on being in relationships, but clearly in specific ways, imparting very specific information and coding through relational interactions, energy flow, and regulation, all of which hold performance capacity in the mind, brain, and body. It's not about relationships or information. It's about both. But it's also about experiences in our relationships that cause our very mental and physical equipment to grow, develop to a higher level, and perform better than it could before. So here in Tool 9, I revisit my Kenyan trip Because in Kenya, I learned a valuable lesson about true, authentic, shared connection. It was quite profound. And I wanted to share it with you because I I learned that with my mission team and also with my Kenyan mamas. And so I hope the story informs your story and helps you. And you can find where that picks up on page 234 in Stronger Every Day. Something else happened while in Kenya. During our evening prayers, we silenced digital distractions. Being disconnected from the bells and whistles of social media opened a renewed mental energy and spiritual receptivity that I found deeply satisfying. It made me realize how much time and attention I actually give to false connection, or what experts refer to as false intimacy. So as I'm reading here, and I'm interjecting this, as I'm reading my revelation of how much mental energy I spend on things that are unnecessary, things that are not 
vital or life-giving, please keep it in the forefront of your mind because as always, I want my story to inform your story or we're wasting our time here. This is so not about me. It's so about you. Heartlifter, I want you to be free and whole and experience real human connection because that is where we find meaning and joy in the day-to-day life that we are both living. I continue. On the average, experts tell us that we are checking our phones 150 times a day and giving at least, this is the least, two hours, approximately 116 minutes, which translates to five years and four months of our lifetime. Yeah, you heard me. I was gobsmacked when I heard this. Translating to five years and four months of our lifetime. To all these false senses of connection, these false relationships, these false sense of intimacy with all of the likes on our social media. I'm happy to tell you that I'm very hopeful that we're going to have an expert on about this very soon, so stay tuned. Most often, mindless scrolling leads to mindless minutes, which eventually lead to mindless hours spent swimming in the shallow end of relationships. More often than not, I feel mentally drained at the end of the day and my eyes hurt. And I know for a fact that it's due to screen time. Way, way too much screen time. It's a subtle but very real drain on mental, emotional, and relational energy. We are not built, heartlifters, to know everybody's business. And we must reserve mental energy for the essentials because the essentials, those things that are absolutely necessary, that those things that bring to us a real true sense of how life was meant to be lived not prescribed to be lived. Very big difference here. It really is important for you and for me to be able to discern when enough is enough. More importantly, it's important that you know you're enough. And I really encourage you on page 235 in your book to circle that, highlight it, score it, put a big old star by it and date it. your social media saturation point and daily monitor your enough of emotional digital dehydration because this isn't going away. Oh, it's not going away. I will add here, it's getting worse actually. As phones get better, I want the next phone. It has a better camera. That means I'll take more pictures. I will be stopping every two seconds to take a picture to capture a moment because being in the moment and having a mental snapshot and really experiencing the everyday epiphany isn't enough. I have to capture it. I think I have, I don't even know, 20,000 photos on my phone. I'm pretty sure that's way up there. 
last time I checked. In fact, I assume, and I just said, it will only get more advanced and then it's gonna get more challenging to manage. So be self-aware and highly attuned to exactly how much information your nervous system can handle well. Underscore that. Keep in mind that your nervous system is your body's electrical wiring and it thrives on a steady diet of healthy emotions, high quality, true connections, and contemplative practices like we talk about here, stillness, solitude, and silence. Too much social media, information overload, and digital distraction, which digital distraction is now a psychiatric evaluation. <laughs> you can actually be given that, like you are digital digitally distracted. Can't even say that word. All of these things are the complete antithesis of that zeo-charged living water Jesus promised not only the Samaritan woman, but us as well. Do these things drain the living water right out of us? Wow, maybe stop for a second and sit with just that question. Man, I wrote that question and it's hitting me straight in my heart as I bring it to you today. Man, I find myself mindlessly scrolling Instagram and TikTok, mindlessly scrolling. And I literally have to slap myself in the face and go, put that phone down, Janelle. Ugh. Do these things drain the living water right out of us? Oh, I'm asking you, Heartlifter, a hard question here. And I'm asking it to myself because I never ask anything of you. I don't ask of myself. And we are answering this question from the lens of grace, not shame. There's no judgment here. There's no shame. There's only comparison in the light of I want to do better. So if I always say if I want, I, I compare myself to someone I want to emulate that I truly know and I trust because that makes me want to be a better person. Jesus Christ is my model for that. And so I read his word. I study his life. I go over and over the book of John, particularly. I love that book. And I look at Jesus and I say, how did he live his life? And how did he stand against the tides of culture, the power and legalism of the Pharisees and Sadducees? How did he do it? I wonder if he didn't go make room and time and space to be with his father because those things were draining the living water right out of him. I continue on page 235. Shared connection, on the other hand, saturates relationships. Such a good sentence. <laughs> it deeply nourishes the glial cells. I think I'm saying that right. G-L-I-A-L. The highly specialized glue cells that support and protect our nerve cells. Author Robin Widener reminds us that true intimacy involves knowing 
and being known in all your imperfections. There is absolutely no way I can know and be known solely through digital connection. I can't do it. As much as I love being connected to my three children who live far from home via various apps, nothing, absolutely nothing compares to the power of sharing a meal around our family table where we're known, imperfections, and all. Around that family table, we continue to work, the Raritans continue to work on being known, being seen, being valued, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Oh, we're far from perfect in our relationships, trust me. But I do believe, I do believe I can speak for all of us in my family. We are trying to have authentic, true connection. In fact, research, I continue page 235, research shows that loneliness and social isolation are harmful to our health. Lacking social connections is as comparable a risk factor for early death as smoking 15 cigarettes a day and is worse for us than well-known risk factors such as obesity and physical inactivity. Loneliness increases the likelihood of mortality by 26%. Just let all that wash over you and soak in with a sobriety about your life today. This is so critical. Today, as we close out our heartlifting journey, oh, this isn't the end. <laughs> Trust me. We will be talking about these nine tools and we will be inviting experts and worthy conversations and remarkable people to the podcast to help us continue developing uh, the potential that lies within us to live a very, very meaningful life. Remember, Heartlifters, that shared joy is double joy. So I continue with a beautiful story, Kiss the Four Walls. It might be my favorite story in the whole book. When the time came for our Kenyan pilgrimage to end, I felt deeply torn. I desperately missed my family back home, of course, but I now had a shared, deep, true, authentic connection with an entire new community of Kenyans, especially the remarkable mamas and children of Joy Village. On the last morning of our stay, our leader and my pastor, Jim, ceremoniously gave each of the new pilgrims, me being one of them, a beautiful Kenyan hand-beaded cross necklace. I placed it around my neck with great pride. He then said, if you want to return, be sure to kiss the four living room walls before you leave. It's a tradition. Kiss the walls, I asked. Oh, please don't let me forget that, God. That is amazing, and I really want to come back to Kenya. I got to hear more about this later, I said to myself. Has to have a route somewhere. But we were hurrying, we were bustling to get on the van to get to the airport. So I didn't have time to ask Jim where that came from. 
As we were loading the van for our long ride to the Nairobi Nairobi airport, Jim called out to me, Janelle, you haven't kissed the four walls. Don't forget. (gasps) Oh no, I screamed. I can, you can imagine my exuberance jumping out of the van and running quickly to kiss the four walls of our Kenyan mission house. I want to come back. This old African tradition hails from the beautiful memoir, The Flame Trees of Thika, Memories of an African Childhood, by the beautiful, beautiful Elspeth Huxley. Oh, this book. Her parents, Robin and Tilly, left their comfortable life in England and traveled to British East Africa, known today as Kenya. As pioneering settlers, their intention was to set up a coffee plantation. This journey led them on an arduous path of deep inner growth, as this heartlifting journey is doing, I hope. Anytime we are invited to come outside of our comfort zones, yeah, growth is going to happen. It's going to be hard, but it's going to happen. The way of Africa for them was hard, yet curious. An adventurous Elspeth found immense joy in Kwanania among the Kenyan people particularly the Maasai tribe. The day came when her family had to leave her beloved childhood home. Due to the probability of ensuing war, they couldn't stay in Kenya. Elspeth was heartbroken. As hard as life had been, her deep connection to the people brought great sadness and sorrow at leaving. She writes, to be torn up by the roots is a sad fate for any growing thing. And I did not want to leave Thika for the unknown. Especially, I did not want to leave the people and the animals of Thika. To leave Moyal and Mohammed, George and Mary, Alec, Mrs. Nimmo, Nyabo and Sammy and Andrew, or Kupanya and Old Rohio, and even Kamu and many others. Her words call back to us, don't they? As hard as her life in Kenya was, she hated the thought of leaving there. Most importantly, leaving the deep relationship she had forged with her community. She continues, I could not believe that in a few moments, the house, the garden, the farm, and everything in it would be out of sight and gone, as if on another planet, or that it was beyond my power, beyond anyone's, to freeze it to catch it in a groove like an old gramophone record and keep repeating the same few minutes over and over, forever. Just moments before leaving, Elspeth's mother, Tilly, says something profound. Kiss each of the four walls of the living room and you will come back for sure. Well, there it was. There's there's where that came from. As silly as this might sound, this directive to Elspeth was the direct result of shared connection. Once we've experienced the power of Quanania, we'll do anything and everything to experience it again. Like Elspeth, we want to catch it in a groove like an old gramophone record and keep repeating the same few minutes over and over forever. Sometimes we find shared connection in the most unexpected of places with people very different from ourselves. Sometimes we have to fly halfway across the world and sometimes we simply walk next door to our neighbor's house. Both can be equally frightening. Sometimes achieving it comes easily and sometimes we have to fight for it. And sometimes we have to press through the panic 
of old narratives, like my getting stuck on those Kenyan stairs in Tool 8. We have to press through in order to write new narratives. One thing is certain, when our hearts are set on finding shared connection, we will. When we do, we can't forget to kiss the four walls of the living room. Heartlifters, we're here at the end of Tool 9, and yet we're standing at a threshold. On this heartlifting journey, we've talked a lot about thresholds. We began in uh, the beginning, stepping across the threshold of meaningfulness. And so I thought it would just be perfect to close out this journey, this heartlifting journey, by adding a few more thoughts on thresholds. Because you see here, tool nine is an invitation. It's an invitation to sit and think about what is essential in our life and to save mental energy and emotional energy for what is essential. What is absolutely necessary in your life? What? Today is a day to start thinking about that, to begin opening our eyes in a new way. So I'm returning to that beautiful poetry of John O'Donohue in his book, To Bless the Space Between Us. We've been reading excerpts from this book and prayers of blessing from this book all throughout this journey. So we have to, we have to close out with thoughts from John O'Donohue. And he writes on page 192 of his book, To Bless the Space Between Us, to cross the thresholds worthily when a great moment knocks on the door of your heart. It remains the dream of every life to realize itself, to reach out and lift oneself up to greater heights, a life that continues to remain on the safe side of its own habits and repetitions, that never engages with the risk of its own possibility, remains an unlived life. There is within each heart a hidden voice that calls out for freedom and creativity. Let me read that again. There is within each of our hearts a hidden voice that calls out for freedom and creativity. We often linger for years in spaces that are too small and shabby for the grandeur of our spirit. Yet experience always remains faithful to us. If lived truthfully and generously, it will always guide us toward the real pastures. Mm. Looking back along a life's journey, you come to see how each of the central phases of your life began at a decisive threshold where you left one way of being and entered another. So I'm adding here in a devotive exercise, maybe today after this journey through these nine tools, you now are standing decisively at a threshold where you have to make a decision 
to leave one way of living behind in order to enter another. A threshold is not simply an accidental line that happens to separate one region from another. Oh, no, no. It is an intense frontier that divides a world of feeling from another. Often, a threshold becomes clearly visible only once you have crossed it. Wow. Crossing can often mean the total loss of all you enjoyed while on the other side. It becomes a dividing line between the past and the future. More often than not, the reason you cannot return to where you were is that you've changed. You are no longer the one who crossed over. Oh my goodness, I so hope I'm adding this. This is not John O'Donohue. This is Janelle, your heart-lifting guide. I hope, hope, hope that after this journey, you feel that way, that you're not the same as when you started it. And you may have to go back and go through some of the tools again. As I've come to recognize post launching this book and hearing stories from all of you, it is a bit overwhelming. There's a lot of information. And so I'm crossing into a threshold now in my life of how can I simplify this heartlifting journey and make it really accessible. So I am hoping that you are here at Tool 9, that in some way, shape, or form, you are not the same person. You have become more aware of secure attachment, meaningfulness. You have become more aware of, I need emotional regulation in my life. I'm more aware now of the limiting beliefs that have kept me from really living my fullest potential. You have become more aware that you need a lot more self-compassion in your life. You have become really acutely aware that you need to shift the shame language. Man, I really, I really hope if you've gained nothing else from our time here, that you have understood and become increasingly aware of a shaming language that is really debilitating you and that you're learning to live into the lavish grace language that God has for you. I hope you're realizing that you need to be more assertive, that you have a voice, and that voice equates your value, worth, and dignity. No one, no one can think for you, no one can speak for you, and no one can take your place. No one can rule over you. No one. Oh, I hope that you have tasted the Zeo-filled living water that Jesus shared with the woman at the well. I hope that you're swimming in it. I hope that you've understood the process of memory reconsolidation and that Dr. Ben Perkis and I have helped you understand the memory complex and that you can rewire your brain. Oh yeah, you can. You can actually consolidate and make peace with your past and that you have a pen in your hand 
which now can help you write the story you want to live. Maybe you have found out that the story you're living is not your story. Boy, I sure hope so. It is interesting, writes John O'Donohue, that when Jesus cured the blind man, he instructed him not to go back into the village. Hmm. Having crossed the threshold into vision, his life was no longer to be lived in the constricted mode of blindness. No, 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 no. Man, I was just with a client yesterday for hours talking about the constriction of her childhood. And boy, she she saw like the blind man, his her eyes were opened. That she has now been given an opportunity to live a life filled with freedom. New vision means new pastures. <laughs> Today many people describe themselves as being in transition. In a culture governed by speed, this is to be expected for the exterior rate of change is relentless. This transition can refer to relationships, work, and location, or more significantly, to the inner life and way of viewing the world. Yet the word transition seems to be pale, functional, almost inadequate and impersonal, and does not have the same intensity or weight as perhaps the word threshold evokes. And that's why he talks about it so much in this book. The word threshold was related to the word thresh. And those of us who follow Jesus, we know all about the threshing floor where the wheat was fleshed, which was the separation of the grain from the husk or straw when oats were flailed. It also includes the notions of entrance, crossing, border, and beginning. To cross a threshold is to leave behind the husk and arrive at the grain. Heartlifter, as we close out today, as we close out this episode and this journey through these nine tools, what is absolutely necessary in your life? What is essential? What is draining your mental energy and leaving you lifeless? even paralyzed, maybe even sleepwalking through life, just kind of doing the day, doing the thing. I've answered this question with grand intention, and I know that I know it is social media and it is digital distraction. I know it. I found that out in, in Kenya and I told myself I would live differently when I came home, but once I got back into culture, This culture just, it started eating away at me again. And mm, I remember life before having a phone in my hand 24 hours a day and being connected to this thing called the internet. I remember my life. It was different. What is it that drains you and drains your mental energy? And what is it that you need to leave behind today so that you can experience real true connection in your life. John O'Donohue in a poem, it's actually a blessing, he calls them blessings, on page 98. It's called, At the End of the Day, 
a mirror of questions. And I'm going to leave you with this today. What dreams did I create last night? Where did my eyes linger today? Where was I blind? Where was I hurt without anyone noticing? What did I learn today? What did I read? What new thoughts visited me? What differences did I notice in those closest to me? Whom did I neglect? Where did I neglect myself? What did I begin today that might endure? How were my conversations? What did I do today for the poor and the excluded? Did I remember the dead today? Where could I have exposed myself to the risk of something different? Where did I allow myself to receive love? With whom today did I feel most myself? What reached me today? How deep did it imprint? Who saw me today? What visitations had I from the past and from the future? What did I avoid today? From the evidence, why was I given this day? Wow. Why was I given this day? Why were you given this day? Heartlifter, I want so much for you. I want so much for myself. I want us to live this life, this beautiful life that God has given us, this one wild life like Mary Oliver, the poet, talks about. Why were you given this day? Take your time as you think about that and answer that question. You might have to live into the answer to that question. But always remember, you, Heartlifter, are clothed in strength and dignity with nothing to fear. You can smile at your future. Thanks for listening today to today's Heartlift with Janelle. It's been so good to be on this journey with you through the nine tools of Stronger Every Day. Please be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you would be so kind, leave a review. It would be so helpful and I would be truly grateful. And make sure to hop over to JanelleRairden.com and subscribe to my free newsletter so that you can be the first to know about all the things, all the things that are coming your way to help you dear heartlifter, become stronger every single day. See you next time.